Hey guys, this is Jeremy and welcome to the Everyman Livestream. We are so glad you're here for this week's study and more importantly, God is pleased. In fact, that is what we're talking about in this series called Live to Please. What we are learning is that God is way more concerned about why we do the things we do than what we actually do. Now think about it for a second. Have you ever said or done good things on the outside but for the wrong reasons on the inside? You know, oftentimes as men, we want others to think about us in a certain way in order to achieve that goal, we need to build an image or create a perception publicly that privately our hearts deny. Now our actions are inconsistent with our real desires or our real opinions. And there's a word for that. It's called acting. Now the relationship isn't real because it's built on misplaced or selfish motives. Now in part one, we learned from Jesus's life on how pleasing God works. In part two, we're gonna see that pleasing God is rooted in the heart because that is what God is examining. Now we're going to answer the question, when God looks at my heart, what is he actually wanting to see? But before we dive into today's study, please share this powerful session with your friends. Now, let's go to Crossline Church in Laguna Hills, California, and join men's pastor and expert, Kenny Luck, for part two of Live to Please. God, did you know that pleasing God is worshiping God? Anytime you please God, Anytime you make a choice for him, anytime you know what he desires and you do that versus doing what you want, that's worship. So my life can actually be worship when I live to please my maker. Now, you can make a relationship with God about a lot of things other than God. Wouldn't you agree? People can sometimes, in the context of pleasing God, they can use that as a, as a way to please people. They can also use it as a way to please themselves. A lot of scandals out there, right? Even in the context of knowing and pleasing God. So we gotta get this right. And so this morning, what we're gonna look at after in part one, establishing Jesus is the model. He said, the one who sent me is with me. He has not abandoned me for I always do what pleases him. And then we built that bridge. Jesus lives in you. Now that means that your call is to always please God just like Jesus did because he lives in you. Now in part two, we're gonna look at, hey, I don't wanna please myself, I don't wanna please men, and I don't wanna use one to do the other, I just wanna please God. What does God say really pleases him? Well, the first thing that we do that pleases God is we delight in God's person. I delight in God's person, write that down. And you know, this is easy to understand in human relationships because sometimes people want the benefits that come from knowing you more than they want you. Sometimes they see the benefits of, of what it's like to, to be associated with you or, or maybe what you can do for them. And, and what happens, how do you feel when you, when you know someone wants what you have or wants the benefits of knowing you but doesn't want you. How does that make you feel? Feel like you're being used, don't you? Right? They're not interested in you, right? They appreciate how you improve their life, how they improve your image, or how the association benefits them versus appreciating you, seeing you, wanting you. Well, God's a person. He feels the same way. Look what it says in Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. We see the heart of God. Let's read that together. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, 
or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches, but let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness and justice and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight. See the appeal of God? You're gonna brag about anything, especially if you're gonna brag about knowing Jesus. Right? You've got to delight in God's person. And God says it himself, that I'm the Lord. I'm kind. I'm just. I'm righteous. These are the things that, that I delight in because this is who I am. Right? So God wants us to delight in, in God's person. You know, in the Gospels, and this isn't in your notes, in Matthew 23, Jesus commenting on the most religious people. He says, watch out. Everything they do is done for people to see. Very big contrast, you know? They're super religious of Jesus' type. Watch out, watch out, beware. You can hear what they say, what they say, you know, there's good stuff in what they say, but don't do what they do. Everything they do is done for people to see. Now, in Luke 10, this is the passage I told you to turn to, this was is, this is a life-changing passage for me, personally, because I really saw the heart of God in Jeremiah 9 expressed in the life and relationships of Jesus about delighting in God's person, all right? Wanting Jesus, seeing Jesus, appreciating Jesus versus some other motivation. Uh, I'll give you a little context. You know, Jesus had a little retreat center. It was in Bethany. And it was in the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, all right? So this is one of those occasions where they're kind of traveling along and Jesus pulls in to Bethany and he spent some time. So I'm gonna read the first part and then you're gonna finish, with, finish it with me together. Uh, now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village. A woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? And tell her to help me. Now let's finish it together. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. So you have this contrast when engaging Jesus. So Jesus is in the house, right? And then you have one person who's distracted by so many things, and then you have another person focus on one thing. And Jesus is trying to point out to her, hey, I'm here with you now. Instead of running around thinking that all these other things are important, how about you seeing me? How about you wanting me? How about you appreciating me, being in the house? Now, if I, if I told you, hey, Jesus is going to be at your house today at 2.30, would you be there? Yeah, you would. And what would that time be like? All right, I'm sure you'd do a little prep, maybe do a little bit of vacuuming, throw away the dirty clothes, pick up the socks, you know, and get the house presentable. But when he walked through the door, what would you do? Just, would you, would you be, hey, you know, running around and trying to get dinner prepped? Or you only have two hours. You know, be at the Lord's feet, listening to the Lord's words delighting in Jesus. You know, Jesus is a person. Think about your day today. Here we all are. We're seated here, 
and we're with Jesus. We're delighting in Jesus. We're here because we love Jesus. And we're going we're gonna to listen to his word. And we're going to hear from him. And we're going to respond. We're going to interact with him. So you want to please God spiritually? You've got to delight in God's person. Make it about who God is. All right? That's what he says. Secondly, we can meditate on God's word. So we slow down to be with God. We see him. We appreciate him in order to please him. And then he speaks. How cool is that? God speaks to us. And so we meditate on God's word. When people say, look at what the Bible says in Psalm chapter one, one of the most famous passages of scripture. Let's read it together. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Wow. So you kind of see the picture. Walking in the Bible is a sign of friendship. So you can have good friends or bad friends. And then you see here how blessed is the man who does not walk in the what? Counsel of the wicked. Right? So you have a man, you have a group of friends that he's with, and friends are giving input. All right? And the Bible's just going, well, you're not blessed if you hang out with the wrong people and they give you wrong counsel. Right? But then he said, no, you should hang out with God. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. There's the contrast. All right? So we're going we're gonna to hang out with God. We're going to hear what God says. And we're going to meditate on what God says. Now, what does the word meditate mean? It means to think deeply and continuously on a thing. If I'm meditating on something, I'm thinking deeply and I'm thinking continuously on what God says. And that pleases God when you do that. You see, words, time is spent and words are expressed. And then, am I meditating on what you said? Am I thinking deeply about what you said? Now, when my wife is talking to me, and there is a football game of interest on, on the screen behind her, all right, she can tell when I am not meditating on what she's saying, all right, because my body language is all off, my, I have this glaze over, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. You know God's a person? He can tell when you're distracted, too. He can tell when you're concentrating. He can tell when you're listening. He can tell when this is a real conversation or should we wait for another time, all right? And so what pleases God is what pleases anyone in relationships. Man, I'm delighted to see you. I'm delighted to be with you. I desire you. I want you. I see you. I appreciate you. And then we're gonna have an interaction. And then when you speak, man, I'm really gonna lean in and I'm gonna listen and I'm gonna meditate on what you say. Now, if you're a follower of Christ, if that's your identity, this meditation thing is supposed to be your activity. Let's read Psalm 119, 23. Ready? Your servant meditates on your statutes. So there's the identity, your servant. The activity of the servant is meditation. All right? Now, if you want to understand meditation, if, if you're thinking about someone who's off alone by themselves in some log cabin in the lotus position, Okay, that's not necessarily what the picture is here. All right, let me give you a, a man picture, all right? Think ribs. Just think ribs, all right? I take my ribs and put them into the marinade, put them in the fridge, and the ribs are marinating in the marinade. 
and the ribs take on the character of the marinade. What's your mental marinade? And what character are you taking on? You see, when you meditate in God's word, you take on the very character of Christ. That's why when Jesus prayed in John 17, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Right? So here's a question for everyone that is listening to the sound of my voice. Are you marinating? What are you marinating in? Are you marinating in business? Are you marinating in sports? Are you marinating in politics? God forbid. All right, I love politics. I'm a political science major. All right, I watch a lot of news. But, you know, I got to watch it. Because the more I marinate in that, that's going to affect my character more than marinating in this. And God says, your servant will meditate on your decrees. What's your plan for marinating in God's word? Or are you one of those people that just said, well, I know the Bible, I've read it through a few times. and You know that, you know, I, I now have a greater hunger for the Bible than when I first started. It's just, I, I can't get enough of it. Do you have a reading plan? Do you have a time with God? Do you sit with God? Do you delight in him? Do you delight in his word? Now, if this is convicting, good. Because this is truth. Truth sets people free. It tells you who you are, it tells you your why, and it tells you what to do. Because when you know who you are, you know what to do, all right? So those are the first two things that really please God spiritually. You delight in his person. You want him, you see him, you appreciate him. And then when you're with him, he says stuff. And when he says stuff, you meditate on what he says because the truest thing about anything is what God says is true. That's the person that you wanna be listening to and meditating on, all right? Third, after words are expressed, God's wondering, if they'll be prioritized. The third thing is I trust in God's ways. So in a relationship, for example, let's take a marital relationship, all right? You date a person, you get engaged to a person, you get married to a person, you live with that person, you're with them all the time. You get a sense of what their desires are, what their priorities are, what their preferences are. You understand their love language, right? You get to know what really makes them feel loved, all right? Now, this is what Jesus says. It's his love language. Let's read John 14, 21 together. Ready? He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. You know, the whole purpose for knowing someone's love language, you know, that famous book, The Five Love Languages, is it gives you a vocabulary for how to really get close with someone, you know? Like one of the categories is acts of service, you know, people who appreciate acts of service. Some people uh, love words of affirmation, okay? That really, you know, when they're encouraged with words, that, that's their love language. Well, Jesus reveals his love language. When he gives a direction, trust that direction. That's, that's his love language. If God gives a direction, you trusting that direction is God's love language. And that's what Jesus says. You know, if, if he says something, if he says a command to obey, and you trust that command and keep that command, that's an expression of love. Now, in the Bible, this is a huge theme. And it's from cover to cover. Whether you start off in the garden, and God says, hey, it's all yours, you're naked with another woman, enjoy, just don't do that. 
there's a command, right? And when God reveals something, he has an expectation. So cover to cover in the Bible, God is watching. Man, do they delight in my person? Do they, they listen to what I say? And when I say something, are they going to prioritize what I say? Look what it says in Deuteronomy 29, 29. One of my favorite passages of scripture. Ready? Let's read it together. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. So God is a person. He's infinite in every way. He's wise and he's infinitely wise. He can't, an infinitely wise person can't tell a finite creature everything all at once or they'll get overwhelmed, amen? So God says, I'm gonna reveal some things about myself, some things about what I desire, all right? And when I reveal those secret things that come out of my person through creation, through the person of Jesus, through the word of God, as a few examples, all right? God says that when he reveals those things, he's giving them to us. That which is revealed now, it's yours. So everything we talk about this morning is God revealing himself through his word, and guess what? Now it's, now it's yours. Ignorance is not an option anymore. Now they belong to you. What are you going to do with that? Well, the Bible says the purpose of God's revelation is application, right? Say this with me. The purpose of revelation is application. So whether you're by yourself reading God's word and you see a promise to, to claim, a truth, right, to believe or a command to obey, when you read God's word, now it's yours. It's all yours. Now we can't go, oh, I didn't know that, right? And now that you know that, God, if you want to please God, you got to trust his ways and do that thing. So if you want to please God spiritually, delight in his person. And when you delight in his person and you're with him, all right, he's going to say things. He's going to speak to you. That's, he's going to interact with you. And then when he says things, trust the things that he says. And then in an ongoing way, now we get into this relationship. The fourth thing is I listen to God's spirit. You see the progression of relationship? I'm, I'm with you. I spend time with you. I see you. I want you. I appreciate you. I want to hear what you have to say. It's important to me. And then when you say things like, hmm, the purpose of, of revelation is not consideration, it's application. All right? Because I see you for who you are. You're God. You're the vine. I'm the branch. You're the shepherd. I'm the sheep. You're the potter. I'm the clay. You're in the A position. I'm in the B position. Oh, and by the way, you have my best interest in mind every time you talk, so I'm going to trust your ways. Now it gets into this rhythm of relationship of continuously listening to what God says. Look at what the Bible says here about listening to God's spirit. John 16, 13, Jesus is talking. Let's read that together. Ready? But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So Jesus is talking to his guys, and he's saying, there's time coming, and it's better that I go because then I'm just going to live inside you. And then, because I live inside you, I'm going to prompt you, I'm going to lead you, I'm going to talk to you directly, right to your mind. And I'm going to remind you to do those things that show love for me and love for people. Let's just 
demystify what it means to listen to the spirit of Christ as a man. When you have a thought that says, you know what, this will honor God, this won't. That's the spirit of Christ. When you have a pause before you say words to someone and you think to yourself, this will honor God and this will show love for him and this won't. That's the spirit of God. The spirit of God affirms the person of God and the words of God. So I'm spending time with God. I'm delighting in his person. I see who he is. He's a God who's kind. He's a God who's just. He's a God who's righteous. He's told me that he delights in those things. All right? He wants me to have the family resemblance because I'm a son. All right? So God says stuff, and then I trust what he says. And as I'm living my life and walking in and out of situations, he wants me to apply what I know about him in my marriage. He wants me to apply what I know with my words. He wants me to apply what I know with my friends. Whoever God is gonna bring across your path today, God wants you to listen to his spirit inside and his spirit says, do whatever shows love for me and love for that person. That's why Jesus was so free. He could walk into, any, he could walk into the bar, all right? He could be with the tax collectors, those hated IRS agents of his day. He could be with a leper. He could be with someone who's from a different tribe, a Gentile. He would know what to do because he would just simply do that thing that shows love for the father and love for that person. So as you walk out these doors, as you go into your day, that's the spirit talking. You know, that's the front line. And so the Holy Spirit will remind you, hey, this is a promise you should claim. Hey, this is a command you should obey. Hey, this is a truth you should believe. And what I love about the Bible is that it really is a, is a union of two people, God and man, through Jesus Christ, walking and doing life, right? Look at what the Bible says in Galatians 5.25. Let's read that together. Ready? Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in with the Spirit. Get that picture? So we know God. We delight in his person. When we're with God, he says stuff. And when he says stuff, we trust his direction. Right? It's just rhythm. And then we start doing our life where we're knowing God, he's saying stuff, and we're trusting his direction. We're knowing God, he's saying stuff, we're trusting his direction. And we're at work and we're knowing God and he's saying stuff and we're trusting his direction. We're in a heated, colorful, energetic conversation with your wife, and we're knowing God, and we're trusting God, and he's saying stuff, and we trust his direction versus the direction of my flesh or the lie of the devil. See that rhythm? Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So I'm not behind God lagging like, okay, I know what you say, but I just don't want to do it. I'm not ahead of God saying, I, I, I know that you said that, but I'm running ahead of what you say, and I'm doing what I want to do. I'm keeping in step with the Spirit. So it's sort of like when you get to a moment and you're, you're with a buddy and you just kind of go, yeah? Okay. Today, some of you need to pause before you take your next step. Maybe you need to pause and you need to check in and you just need to look into the face of God. Go, God, is this what you want me to do? And if you're not sure, 
Maybe you need to call that guy sitting to your right or left this morning in this room. Maybe you need to call someone else if there's a little confusion. And you check in. You lock eyes, right? And you get the green light, right? Isn't it great when you get the green light? But that's, what, that's part of listening to God's spirit, all right? So we delight in his person. We meditate on his word. He says stuff. We trust his direction. But there's always a battle, right? There's always a battle. So we listen to God's spirit. Right? And if you're listening to God's spirit, there's one thing for sure that's happening. You're not listening to your flesh and you're crucifying your flesh. What does that mean? All right? It means you're saying no to the chump and yes to the champ. I say that all the time. There's a chump inside you. All right? That's the old you. All right? The immature you. The boy who wants what he wants when he wants it and throws tantrums when he doesn't get it. Then there's the you in Christ. All right? This is the one who's being molded and shaped into the man, all right? And you're going to come across moments in your day when you've got to pause, check in, and you're basically saying, chump or champ? Okay, I'm choosing the champ. Choosing God's spirit. I'm choosing that thing that shows love for God and love for people, all right? Look at what it says here in Romans 8, 13 and, or 12 through 14, all right? Next verse on your notes. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, all right? Let's finish it together. But it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. Now that's a rhythm right there. If you know Jesus, you're going to find yourself saying no to yourself a lot. That's the process, all right? We say no to the boy and yes to the man. I love what the Bible says. We, you, you should memorize Romans 8, 13 and 14, where it says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Do you want to live today? Are you tired of making the same mistake over and over and over again? Well, my advice to you is to live a spirit-filled life, a spirit-led life, a spirit-controlled life. Know Jesus Christ, know God, see him, appreciate him, want him. He's gonna tell you stuff. When he tells you stuff, trust what he says. And then, as a way of life, wherever you're walking, all right, either you know what he said, or you have to find out what he said, or you're going to be reminded of what he said, you're going to check in and you're going to get the green light. Everybody say, get the green light. There are some of you today, you, have like been, you, you haven't been getting the green light and you're wondering why you're suffering in a certain area of your life. It's because you're not checking in. And you know, that guy sitting to your right or left, that's God's ambassador to your life. If you're not sure, check in with a man of the spirit versus a man of the world or a man of culture, you know? And so we have to listen to God's spirit. Lastly, if you want to please God spiritually, you affirm God's mission. I affirm God's mission. Now Jesus, as you get to know him, you're going to understand not only who you are, but you're also going to understand what God wants to do in the world. And you know, when you champion what another person's purpose is, man, that's, that pleases them. Wow, you're for me? You're for what I'm doing? I'm looking in the room and I'm looking around at a lot of these guys in the room. 
I'm like, man, you guys are champions for me. You affirm me and what God has asked me to do. Man, that, that just delights me like nothing else. God feels the same way. Look at what Jesus says in John 15. He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Circle that. He does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from the Father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. So Jesus, in relationship with men, gets to know them. The men get to know his mission. And then when they get to know his mission, Jesus commissions those men into his mission and appoints them to affirm the mission. Do you know that that's true of you today? You're on mission. If you're a man and you know Jesus, you are on mission. You are, you are called into this mission of going and bearing fruit. You have been chosen. You have been appointed. You have been commissioned to go into your world and bear fruit. Now, let's define what that means. When you bear fruit, you reflect the source. Okay, we say this a lot in here, all right? Banana trees make, right, the fruit reflects the source of the tree. On Guam, mango trees make mangoes, all right? The fruit reflects the source. So how about the man of God? He's cho chosen and appointed to go bear fruit, a visible manifestation of what is at the source of that man's life, his DNA. Man of God bears the fruit of God. What does that look like? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control, the character of Christ. You're, you're manifesting Christ. You're bearing the fruit of Christ and you're expressing yourself in Christ. You're affirming God's mission. Look what Jesus said in John 14, 12. This is, this is an awesome, awesome handoff here. Let's read that together. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. We are in the prophetic fulfillment of that statement right now. You have been called into the, the mission and by your choice, because you delight in God's person, all right? You meditate on his word. When he says stuff, you trust it. It becomes a part of your fabric, your spirit. You have a relationship with him. You're checking in. Now you're on mission, okay? Now we have comms established, right, with God, and he's speaking to us, and he's saying, hey, you know, in that area today, I know you're going to work, but really you're on mission, all right? And before you make that phone call for that meeting, I want you to talk to me and I want you to check in and I want you to get the green light, all right? And then when you're, after the meeting's done and you have, you know, a lunch with someone, why don't you get to know them and ask them a few questions and say, tell me about yourself and get into it and start getting to know that person so that, that you can influence them and be on mission with that person in the context of doing work, in the context of where you're going, in the context of wherever you are, you are on Mission, because Jesus says, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing. Greater things than these, 
will you do? Because I'm going to the Father. So it's on us. It's a handoff, guys. His spirit lives in you. His spirit goes with you. His spirit works through you. His spirit lives in you. His spirit goes with you. His spirit works through you. So are you ready today as we leave, as we finish up this study, all right, to let that happen, all right, through you affirming God's mission? So I want us to recognize kind of the headline on all of these ways that we please God, delighting in his person, meditating on his ways, trusting in his direction, listening to God's spirit and affirming God's mission. Write this down. I please God spiritually from the inside out. Those words, delighting, meditating, trusting, listening, affirming, those all start from the inside. Delighting in a person starts from your own heart. Meditating, thinking, thinking deeply and continuously, that starts inside. Trusting, I start trusting from the inside out. All right? Listening, that's a conscious choice that says inside in my brain, hey, what that person has to say is important, I'm listening. All right? That means I'm focusing my, my eyes and my heart and my mind on it. Man, affirming, I'm for what you're for. I'm affirming your purpose, Jesus. And you say that whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing. I'm for that. I believe that. I'm going to take the ball. You're going to hand me, you're going to make a handoff to me in your mission? Yes. I have a decision to go like this and take it and run as fast and as hard and as aggressively and as forcefully as I possibly can. God's handed us the ball. But pleasing God spiritually, it starts on the inside. And that, that affirms the process with God. In Philippians 1.6, it tells us what the process is. Let's read it together. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You see, if you're working this relationship from the inside out, you know your why, and your why is, I'm, my purpose is to please God. Then you will get to know God. You will delight in his person. You're going to meditate on what he says, trust in his ways, listen to his spirit, and affirm his mission. If all of that is going on on the inside, I'm not worried about, and neither is God, by the way, what's going to happen on the outside. Because what's inside flows outside. That's why God says, you know, I don't see men the way you see men. Man looks at the outward, but I look at the heart. And so what's your relationship with God like today? This is how God wants it to be, a natural Desire, time, learning, interaction, appreciation, seeing, wanting, hearing, listening, trusting, and an ongoing walk where you keep in step with his spirit and you check in and you get the green light and then you're on mission. Whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing greater things these really do. Let's bow our heads and ask God to make it, these things real in our lives. God, we want to pause and we want to let you know, each man individually before you right now, he says, God, I want to let you know that it's not my riches, it's not my wisdom, it's not my power, it's not my strength, not my stuff. But today, I want to to say that the best thing in my life is just understanding and knowing you. That you're the Lord, that you're the vine, that you're the potter, 
that you're the shepherd, that you're my maker. And God, we see you today. I see you. Thank you for being kind to me. Thank you for being just. Just enough to see my sin and loving me, but then sending your son to die for me in my place. Your kindness and justice meet. God, thank you that you're holy and righteous. You're the kind of God that calls me to living right. And so, Lord, we see you, we want you, we appreciate you. God, thank you for speaking to us this morning that we might be servants who meditate and think a lot about what you have to say and then trust what you have to say. Trust your direction. Lord, remind us today of who we are. Remind us, Holy Spirit, of the things that you want us to do. Guide us, Holy Spirit, as we enter into our day so that we can be in your mission. Lord, we affirm you, Lord Jesus, as the Son of God, the Savior of man. And thank you for this call, this choosing, this appointing, that we might go reflect our source. We affirm you, Jesus, and we affirm your call on our life. Help us to live aggressively in the best of ways for you until we meet you face to face. In Christ's name we pray, and all God's men said, amen. If somebody were to ask me what they're going to experience when they come to a Dangerous Good conference, get ready. Get ready to see a visual element that's going to leave you wanting more. From the moment you walk in, you're going to hear this sound, and it's kind of like the heartbeat of the conference. There's going to be some elements that are going to take you deep inside yourself where you're going to be ready to accept what's going to happen in worship and the word. This conference has been designed specifically for the man that is wanting to surrender themselves, but just doesn't know how to get there. My wife always laughs at me because I'll go to church and I want to fix everything. And there's guys out there who, you know, they go to a concert, they go to, you know, a show, they even go to a movie and go, why do they do it that way? And sadly, that is me. And so I kind of had to think about if I were to build something that was going to be influential for men, there needed to be some key elements in there. So basically, I had to swallow my pride think about everything that I've ever wanted to fix at every event, show, movie, concert, whatever, those thoughts to paper and let that paper come alive. I didn't want to build something that was boring. I didn't want to build something that was lacking. I didn't want to build something that people didn't want to come back to. I wanted them to go, when is the next one and where can I go to be there? So when designing the, the looks so that from the second you walk in, you get this big overwhelming type of experience that's with LED screens, that's with lighting, you're completely immersed in this visual atmosphere. And we want our guys to see 
how big this movement is. We don't want it to be a distraction, but we definitely want it to be an experience. So um, you could expect a lot from the conference in ways of atmosphere and visuals. Check, check, check. that? It's quality. Derek, look at that custom foam. So when it came to building the worship experience, I knew that this had to be big. This had to be worship leaders that were influential, that believed in our mission, that believed that, that men need to get healthy, and would stand by us uh, through this whole movement. And so when I called the guys at Jesus Culture, they were like, we're in. You know, when you talk about men and worship, you go to a men's conference or you go up to the mountain and you're around all these guys and boom, they start singing. You get them into church, and all of a sudden they're next to their wives and kids, and they're mumbling. That's why music is so important, and worship is so important with our movement, because we want these guys to come to this conference and feel free and be able to take that and translate that into their families. So our goal, when bringing in these talented worship artists with these amazing sets, is to bring something out of these guys that they've never felt before and bring that home to the family. Don't die, don't die, don't die. It's the phone! So at the Dangerous Good Conference, we have an introduction of music, and then we bring the men into a story about a man who is in the midst of tension. Early on in the process, there's a quote that Kenny mentioned, which is, big wheels turn on small axles. And that's really what we wanted to convey in these stories, is that our seemingly small choices have great potential of consequences out in the world, either good consequences or bad consequences. And each of these characters, we really take a look at when they make a choice, how that affects others and how it affects themselves. And then they get themselves in really crazy situations. And I think that connects to each of us too because we make choices. And the truth is, our seemingly small choices do have potential to make you know, great ripples out in the world, good or bad. And that's where I love wandering lions in the sense of that's every man. That's the man in the mirror. You can see, you can tell yourself truth or you can self-deceive. And in this case, he self-deceives. But even when we do that, there's redemption and life in Christ. When Jesus declared public impact, he was weaponized by the Spirit of God to be dangerous with goodness. And then you watched him go do it. He entered spaces other men wouldn't enter. He talked to people other people wouldn't talk to. He touched people other men wouldn't touch. He crossed racial lines, he talked across ethnic lines. And then when I look at Jesus, I'm like, man, that's the guy I wanna be. When I left my job as a CEO to start Everyman Ministries and had nothing but a slip of white paper, on the slip of white paper I scribbled out, you know, 
here's the vision, a movement of spirit-empowered men, here's the, the good that'll come out with it. And at some point in this journey, there's gonna be a movement. God has provided this moment in history, the opportunity for us to actually connect our market dimension of Christian men worldwide, bring a message that is spirit-empowered about who they are, and if you know who you are, you know what to do. And so when it comes to the Dangerous Good Conference, it is the most unique men's conference ever created. And I say that because I have such a great team of people who care about every second. From the second that that man walks in, he can sense something in his gut and in his heart. He may not even know what it is. And so this last year has been kind of that last piece of the puzzle. We really don't need to write very many resources. We have helped individuals, we've helped groups, we've helped the church. And now it's time to use the foundations that we've poured to accelerate a worldwide movement. And when you let yourself just pause and think about hundreds of millions of activated, Jesus-loving, spirit-empowered men who know who they are and they know what to do in the big and small spaces of their lives. That's a lot of good that's gonna happen and a lot of evil that's gonna be defeated.